Yeah. Now I have to ask you, Mm -hmm. were you also super nervous after, after he shut himself down and Gemma left the room? I was super nervous that he was going to move or open his eyes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. I'm glad it wasn't just me being paranoid. I thought it was just me. Yeah. Yeah. I I thought if he opens his eyes, that means my theory comes true. Wait. And then I was like, after that, I was thinking to myself, wait, fuck. Nolan wrote this. Is this like the top at the end of Inception where we don't know if he opened his eyes yet or not? Like, God damn it, he's in my head. (laughs) I'm in my head because this is my own theory and this is nonsense. What is happening to my brain right now? Welcome to the Marvelous Madams podcast. We're your hosts, Madam Chris. And I'm Madam Mamie. We are burdened with the glorious purpose of talking all things Marvel. Madams Assemble. Amy, so leading off this episode here, I have to ask you, because Amy and I typically don't talk about the episode before we record. So partner, have you vacuumed up your heart from the floor yet? No, no, it's, um, I'm still picking up the pieces. Yeah, mine's still a puddle in the living room. I haven't gotten the shop back out yet to take care of it. <laughs> so of course, listeners, we like you are talking about dear, dear Phil Coulson and his current plight, I will say. Yeah, he he is going through some existential stuff, isn't he? Yeah, I think he and Enoch should have some barraculadas together. Well, depends. Can Chronicoms get drunk? <laughs> I don't know, but I'd sure like to see him try. Yeah, true. But yeah, he's made of... He doesn't have kidneys or a liver, so I'm thinking no. Or does he? Well, he does have a digestive tract, considering he can drink. And eat. Oh, please don't remind me. Please don't remind me that Colson was thirsty for a year and a half and couldn't do anything about it. Ugh. Mm. Killing me. So we start off where episode six ended with Mac leaving to get some air. And this time we see from the Zephyr's point of view that they're having trouble with the time drive and they are just jumping helter skelter. Yeah, the power surges from the missile strike damaged the jumping capabilities. Right. So Gemma manages to figure out the pattern through this whole madness. And Yo-Yo and May are able to go and get Mac and Deke back. And Mac gets right down to business when they get back, which is interesting because it's been 20 months for Mac and Deke, but it's only been a few minutes for the rest of the team. Yeah. And I don't know. I just I didn't quite like that. Yeah, I mean, he and Yo-Yo had their moment together. I guess Mac was just so ready to get back that all he wanted to do was dive back in. Well, I guess Yo-Yo must have briefed him. They had almost a month waiting for their rendezvous point. That's true. I hadn't realized that till just now. And now I'm also wondering, what happened with the Deke squad? Exactly. Where are they? Or when are they? Probably back in 1983, I suppose. Left them. Doing what? Handling S.H.I.E.L.D. Hmm. I feel like S.H.I.E.L.D. seems to be an afterthought this episode. Yes. Yes, I would agree with that entirely. Which isn't totally unexpected. I mean, they've got a lot of irons in the fire here. Yeah, yeah. We'll be dealing with some of those and 
hopefully answering some questions. Well, at least we answered one question. How did Gemma know that they had 27 days and X number of hours to come back? Right. And you know what? That's part of it is that they haven't had time. Like fixing the Zephyr and the time drive is the priority because if they can't get that done, then S.H.I.E.L.D.'s finished regardless. So that had to be the priority. Yeah, fair enough. But I'm talking about the present day shield, like the 1980s shield. Right. What happened to shield post 1970s after Malik died? We may still find out. Yeah, I hope so. Because the lighthouse was abandoned. Deke was able to take over for 20 months. If these guys are going around as shield agents, what has happened to the other shield, the real shield? All right. Fair point. Fair point. However, I think we need to discuss something much more important right now. Which is? That is how fine Daniel Souza looks in a pair of jeans. Agreed. Yep. Agreed. (sighs) (laughs) Someone getting a little hot and bothered? Seriously, has been since the episode. Uh, (laughs) Blue is his color. I will also say that. Um, Anything. Any color is his color. Not that I ever found Joey Tribbiani particularly attractive. He was never really my type. But that was kind of the vibe that uh, Susan was giving me this episode. Seriously? Yes, a little bit because of the clothes. And even though Enver Jokai is Albanian, he could pass for Italian. Okay. So it, it, it gave me those kind of vibes. Okay. Yeah. I can kind of see where you're going, but no. No. <laughs> Sousa does it for me, yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Joey can sit with his meatballs. It's, it's fine. Yes. As long as he shares the meatballs with me, then we're good. Joey doesn't share food. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it was coming as soon as it was out of my mouth. I'm like, Krista, you goddamn know better. You say that to your husband once a week. (laughs) Oh, I'm proud of you, though. You actually caught the pass on that one. Good job. Thank you. (laughs) I'm patting myself on the back. (laughs) Now that Deacon Mac are safely back on the Zephyr, they take... Maybe two seconds to get their bearings because the team still has just a couple of problems they need to deal with. Yeah, just, you know, tiny little ones. Like, oh, right. They only have 20 minutes before they potentially end up in a time space oblivion because the time drive is broken and they'll be jumping within jumps. Right. And even Gemma doesn't know what's going to happen after that. Yeah, and I need to say this now. This was the one thing Amy and I did discuss today a little bit before. I needed an outside perspective on this, and we're going to get to the second part of this later on, but I'll start by saying it now. There were a number of times in this episode, especially when May and Yo-Yo are in the forest, where I kept waiting for Christopher Nolan to jump out from behind a fucking tree and go, I love this episode. (laughs) Because the beginning of this feels like Inception. How? The jump within a jump versus the dream within a dream and what's real and and the progression of time and backwards and forwards. It's it's a lot. No, no. I disagree on that bit. Shocking. 
Hey, for the record, I have seen Inception. So at this point, the team's only chance of fixing the time drive is Yo-Yo regaining her powers because it's it's moving at a super fast speed, this thing that has to be taken out. So Yo-Yo is the only one who could have the capability of doing it fast enough. Yeah, I was actually wondering, why can't Enoch do it? Because he's not fast. Or Colson. They're not fast. Yeah, but if they get destroyed, they can rebuild their bodies. You know, frankly, at this point, I think they should just mass manufacture Colson's bodies and keep them. <laughs> just stack them in a closet? Yeah, pretty much. Kind of like in season four, they had daisies stacked up in the room. Yeah, but the thing there is that he might get destroyed before he's able to actually take the device out. Yeah, so they try again. They just... That's the point of mass manufacturing. <laughs> Hold on, Amy, how many times do you want them to blow up Colson? How much poop do you want on your doorstep? <laughs> The dude is basically a walking hard drive right now. I mean, I'm sorry. Yes, I know it's heartless. I know. It but is heartless. And we're going to talk about that very thing. The way he's just, you know, like going through lives. I don't think he, he even has nine lives. He has more like 19. <sighs> yeah. And each one just gets sadder and sadder. Yeah, that's true. I'm sorry, Colson. The one bit of levity here. That's fun is Sousa is super confused, but also simultaneously validated. <laughs> I love it. He's like, well, the scientist from the future finally agrees with me. <laughs> no, we're finally on the same page. Finally on the same page. Yeah. And he, he's getting some of his feistiness back and I love it. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's feeling more like himself. He's getting a grip on what's happening. Yes, for sure. Yeah. Pretty quickly though. I mean, for us, it's three weeks. For him, it's like a couple of hours. Yeah. And I think Daisy is a big part of that. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Do you really think they're going down the Daisy Sousa route? I don't think it's going to be overt. I think they're going to leave it to our imagination that they have a happy ending towards the end, that they end up together, but they're not going to go out of their way to make it a thing. Okay. I'm thinking maybe they'll run S.H.I.E.L.D. together. That would be good. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So they come up with a plan. Mei and Yo-Yo are going to head over to see Jiaying in Afterlife to see if she can fix Yo-Yo's powers. And it's actually Daisy who comes up with this plan. Yeah, which makes sense, kind of. Yeah. And I give her credit for even being a part of this because she is still in rough shape. Yeah, she looks bad. Yeah. The circle's under her eyes. She looks like she's lost weight. Her face is thinner. Now, last week I had been wondering how she was going to handle losing Colson again. But we see she really didn't deal with any of that because she was out for most of it. And by the time she comes to, they've started rebuilding him again. Yeah, they're 3D printing him. Yeah. And it's like, you know, guys, I know you need him, but God, a little dignity for this poor man. What do you mean? He has no legs. They wake him up. He's not. He doesn't even have a full body yet. Yeah, that's because they needed his help. I know, but it doesn't make it less sad and humiliating and just keeps reminding him that he's not truly human. True. Yeah. It's just con it's just a constant barrage of reminders that he he's not human. You know, at this point, I feel like he's being used more like a tool. Yes. Which I get the hypocrisy of it, considering I just said that they should mass market him and keep using him till they get the 
drive sorted out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I get it. But that's how they're using him. That's why it popped into my head. It's true. I feel like Daisy is the only one really treating him like the man who's still in there. Yeah, yeah. I get why May would shy away. I understand. I I do. It's so hard, but it's just, oh, breaks the heart. Yeah, true. Especially Mac and Gemma, I think. Because Gemma's the worst offender. How so? She's the one who did this to him. And I'm really starting to sense some regret for the first time. By who? By Gemma? No, some regret in Colson's voice. Yeah, I mean... Come on, the guy's been through hell. Yeah, like he just can't take this anymore. Yeah, yeah. Like he thought he had a good end. And then here he is as a machine. He ends up blowing himself up. He's stuck in uh, software mode for a year and a half. And then he comes back only to see that he's being 3D printed as he's woken up. Right, just because they need him for something. Yeah. I mean, it it wouldn't be surprising if he's depressed and pissed off. And, ooh, what if this is the catalyst for him to turn against S.H.I.E.L.D. and... Why do you want him to be evil? (laughs) I have have a whole garbage can full of cat shit with your name on it in my bathroom downstairs. He's still Coulson at heart. Coulson would never, ever turn on S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, but you can't deny he is kind of losing himself in all of this. I don't think Phil Coulson could ever lose himself that much. Did you see him this episode? Indeed, I did. I don't think he could ever lose himself enough to turn on S.H.I.E.L.D. Okay, not Phil Coulson himself, but maybe the the coding. I mean, they do mention the coding and the ones and the zeros. Maybe they flip a switch. I don't know. I just like the theory. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's going to be painful, sure. Kind of like some Game of Thrones kind of shit, but it, it would be nice. Oh, man. I mean, I'm so glad I just switched my cat to wet food two weeks ago because the turds smell that much worse. Fine. I accept it. I know I hate myself for even thinking about it, but I can't stop thinking about it. Good. You should. Moving on. So here we veer off. And what we're going to do, we're going to cover May and Yo-Yo's journey first, and then we're going to discuss what's happening on this effort. Yeah. So May and Yo-Yo have two days to complete their mission at Afterlife and get back to the Zephyr. But the crew on the Zephyr is only going to have... 20 minutes to try and fix this time drive issue. Yeah, which isn't much time. And they are basically depending on May and Yo-Yo to come through. Right. So May and Yo-Yo hop in the Quinjet for a little girl time. Their version of girl time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, they do have a little bit of spa session there, don't they? Yeah, well, here, May... (laughs) May admits we were right. She was starting to feel like herself in the lighthouse. But then she got a little overwhelmed by the hormones that were in the air during Mac and (laughs) Yo-Yo's during Mac and Yo-Yo's reunion. Yeah. Yeah. I don't envy her. No, especially since, I mean, that woman is in an epic dry spell, isn't she? 
Yeah, pretty much, considering her boyfriend is a robot come alive. Think about it. Poor May hasn't gotten any in like two years since Phil died in Tahiti. Yeah. And then she was confronted with Sarge, who you couldn't get enough of. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then a freaking robot. Yeah. Yeah. So she's living vicariously through uh, through Yo-Yo right now. Is she? Or was she forced to? I think it's a bit of both. You saw that little smug little smile on her face. <laughs> like she said, it wasn't all bad. Uh, don't you think she was reflecting what Yo-Yo was feeling? I don't know. Because she was. Because her feelings are buried in there. So who knows? Yeah, but she did say that I could feel you all the way from there. So she was probably reflecting what Yo-Yo was feeling. Maybe. Either way, let her have just a little bit of pleasure, would you? (laughs) (laughs) So I love that the fact that, again, we are going into a sort of covert op here to afterlife and they have no real plan once again yeah yeah well at least they use their own names yeah but (laughs) that's very true i don't think chastity mcbride would have gotten very far (laughs) so i love how they're in this like super stealth gear but they're just completely winging it yeah pretty much it was great here to get more May and Yo-Yo time because they were great together in Alien Commies from the Future. Yeah, they were. And they've got some, again, this season, you know, unexpected pairings. Yeah, and great chemistry. It's a total sass fest between these two. Yeah, totally. <laughs> we're also going to see throughout this episode, these two are a lot more alike than either of them would the care to admit. Yeah, I mean, sure, they do have their issues with feelings and stuff like that. But there is a lot of May reflecting Yo-Yo's feelings back to her. Which we'll get to as we get there. Yeah, May's power comes in handy because they're found by they're found by Jai Ying's henchman, Lee. And he brings them back in. They meet up with Jai Ying and Yo-Yo has to pass a test. Yeah, she needs to prove that she is inhuman. This goddamn diviner returns. Yeah, good callback, though. Good to see it, though. Yeah. In, 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 a, in a weird way. I love Yo-Yo's face when she just walks up, picks that thing up. She's like, bitch, please. <laughs> and I totally forgot. I totally forgot about her hands. Yeah, me too. That gag never gets old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And it's like, the, you know, this guy's being super serious, explaining to her, trying to scare the shit out of her. And she just picks it up and nothing happens. Yeah. And then she even, she touches her face, which is like, is that all you got? Bring it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They don't know that they've already dealt with all this. Yeah. And like, obviously, this guy Lee is bad news. But Jaying is right about needing to know what's going on with Yo-Yo's powers. Yeah, true. Although she need, she wanted to know for different reasons. Right. But I think, and we'll, we'll see this in the episode, there is still a lot of good in Jai Ying right now. I think her motives are much more benevolent than post-Daniel Whitehall Jai Ying. Yeah, of course. I mean, Whitehall messed her up big time. Yeah. 
So she tells Yo-Yo, all right, we're going to figure this out. We're going to run some tests. We're going to give you some some spa treatments, as Yo-Yo likes to call it later. <laughs> and I loved this first scene. Yay for acupuncture. Yeah, you know what? Acupuncture is not spa treatment. No, it's not spa treatment by any means. It is medical. It is spiritual. Um, and for many people like myself, it is life-saving. If it works for you, you know, more power to you. But for me, needles? Uh, no. No. So this actually had me wondering if Natalia Cordova had ever done acupuncture before this scene. I don't know, but I was hoping that those needles weren't real. How would how would they manage that? CGI? It looked pretty real to me. As someone I know, as it someone pretty real. Yeah, as someone who has had needles in their face, it looked pretty real. Yeah, I know. It looked pretty real, but I was the needle phobic in me was just pretending that this was all CGI. Okay. You do what you need to do. Mm-hmm. Now, speaking of sharp things, uh, May gets a little feisty here. And this is another part where it's like, oh, how much of this is May and how much of this is her mirroring the uh, rage and violence that's coming off of Lee, the henchman, when they're in there with him and Jiaying? This is absolutely her mirroring him. She even looks at him because she knows she's feeling all that rage from him. Yeah, but... Our May would also get pissed at the things he's thinking and wanting to do. So it's hard to tell where one ends and the other begins. Yeah, I don't think in this episode there is too much of her. There is a lot more of her mirroring. Maybe. But all I know is this dude conjures up knives like he's fucking hella. What is going on? Yeah, what is his superpower? I don't know. Knives? And they're not like regular knives either. They're like these curved ninja blade things. I don't know. How is that anything special? Yeah, I mean, I guess it's not really that different from having a knife on you, right? Yeah. I mean, they look good. Sure. Yeah, I mean, it's obvious. Guy's got taste. (laughs) We want our villains, of course, to always have good taste. That's the most important thing here. Um, Yeah. And considering Nathaniel looked like... Oh, let's not... Let's... I'm not even ready. I'm not even ready. (laughs) God. He he could have his own episode right now at this point. God. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, clearly... You didn't even let me finish insulting him. We'll get there. (laughs) I need to... I need to batch that one shot. It's boiling inside of me like a pot of macaroni and it'll be done in about 15 minutes. Okay, now I'm hungry. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, clearly it's an inhuman power because this guy conjures up knives out of nowhere, but it doesn't seem terribly useful. Yeah. I mean, if he can conjure up knives, he could have just, you know, like thrown the knife like darts at his opponent. Yeah, seems a little silly. Yeah. Unless he's converting his fingers into knives or something. Like, you probably wouldn't want to throw your fingers. No. No, but May took the knife from him. Oh, right, so they're not attached to him. I don't fucking know. 
Did she take it or did she control his hand? I think she controlled his hand. I think she she took control of his hand. Yeah, she got his wrist. Right. Okay. I don't know. Yes, then having a knife attached to your hand is not that the most... That's not pleasant. Yeah. I mean, Edward Scissorhands' lady would have been better off then. I was just thinking about her. Yeah, it didn't go well for her either. What the hell was her name? You're asking me? Seriously? So we also need to talk about this guest room that May and Yo-Yo are staying in at Afterlife. This place is nicer than my first two apartments. Where were you living? Basement garages (laughs) in Newark, New Jersey. (laughs) That tells you all you need to know. Yeah. Not only is it nicer, but this room that they have is literally twice the size of either of our apartments. I was drooling over this room as much as I was drooling over Daniel Souza, honestly. (laughs) Well, I've had tiny rooms, and I guess that's part of city living, right? These people are up on the mountaintop. Real estate means nothing up there. Right. Use that square footage. Yeah. So Yo-Yo's problem, it turns out, a few episodes back, we had been leaning toward the idea that Yo-Yo's problem was more of a mental block than some kind of physical issue. And we were right. Yeah, well, we were half right. We thought that May's issue was PTSD. True. As well. True. So, you know, Jaying tells her like all the... Ooh, ooh, we are right. Because what we thought was May's PTSD is actually Yo-Yo's PTSD. Right. I'm going to take it. I'm going to call that one a win. Yeah. Pat, pat, pat on the back. Which, ooh. Yeah, totally. Oh, that hurt. I'm sore from yoga. <laughs> That's what I get for being self-congratulatory. <laughs> so Jaying tells her, you know, like, all your blood work came back normal. It's not the poison. This is a mental issue. And since it's 1983, hey, let's all go sing Kumbaya and hug it out. But she does have kind of a point. Oh, absolutely. But that's not exactly how Yo-Yo and May operate. Yeah, that's like their worst fucking nightmare. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's what May says to her. This is literally my worst nightmare. (laughs) And I like to call this when they're sitting on the floor here, you know, holding hands with the candle. I like to call this the FLP, the feedback loop of pissiness. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. The way May is behaving like this, you know, like a like a teenager who's been forced to sit and listen to a boring lecture. Absolutely. It's exactly what Yo-Yo is feeling. Mm-hmm. I think this is the most expression we've seen from May this season. Yes, definitely. Uh, in every way. We're seeing it through her face. We're hearing it in her words. And it's great. Yeah, her body language, all of it. Yeah, so she's basically like, fuck this, this isn't us. If physical touch is going to help, I got a better idea. (laughs) And I love the fact that uh, Yo-Yo says, please don't tell me we're going to spoon. Yeah. (laughs) So they decide to fight it out. And I love this because it's like, it's still kind of natural in a way for them. It's like EFT tapping for ninjas. (laughs) And for those who aren't familiar with EFT tapping, um, it's it's a technique where you use your fingers to tap on certain parts of 
of your face and your chest to bring buried emotions to the surface. It's very helpful. It's something I do every day, but not exactly May and Yo-Yo's cup of tea. So they kick the shit out of each other instead. They're not EFT tapping. They're EFT punching. (laughs) So as they're fighting, we get to the root of Yo-Yo's issues, and that's her fear of using her powers because of the potential consequences, because of the chances for people to get hurt. Yeah, it's been a long time. She's been burying all of this. Like from childhood, she was 10 or 11 years old, like she said. Yeah, yeah, that was rough. And knowing that she blamed herself for her uncle's death for so long. Yeah, yeah. This team needs some serious therapy. Yeah, because then we get a glimpse of Ruby too, and she's second guessing herself on that and blaming herself for being impulsive. Yeah, yeah. She did such a good job here, uh, Natalia Cordova did, with showing this intense vulnerability, but coming out of it with such strength. Yeah, she did. Her acting was phenomenal, both of them really. Yeah, because you could see May's discomfort with it as well. And and I think it both mirrored Yo-Yo's discomfort in, in facing it and who wouldn't be, you know, uncomfortable facing it. But I think there's some May in there too of being uncomfortable with those emotions. Yeah, and she is trying to do her best to make Yo-Yo feel better. So that is, you know, she has that compassion. She is feeling for Yo-Yo, not just feeling what Yo-Yo is feeling. Of course. Yeah. May, despite what she may think about herself, May has never been devoid of compassion, ever. True. Yeah. Which is probably the root of her problems when it comes to her PTSD with Bahrain. Yeah, absolutely. So now we need to talk about Cora. Ah, Cora. So we've seen Cora a couple times, mostly when she's trying to run away and escape afterlife. Yeah, and it comes across like she's the victim. Yes, like she's a prisoner. Yeah. Now, my question here is, what exactly is she? What is this power that she has? What's the root of it? I don't know exactly, but I'm sure we're going to find out. My best guess is something to do with like a kind of fire did it not remind you of Do- uh, dr strange's that circle thing that he does not really you know the golden know. light the portals no not really yeah thank you english doesn't seem to be coming to me today <laughs> no i didn't get that vibe no i kind of felt that a little bit Maybe it's just the color. Later on, we're going to see her burn Lee's face, but he doesn't die and he doesn't seem blind either. Yeah, he's just singed. Yeah, so maybe she was holding back. Maybe she uh, clearly doesn't have full control of her powers, but there's a lot more story here that we're going to get into. Yeah. But first... Maybe it's some kind of explosive power. Maybe. Kind of like that, that other dude who kept, you know blowing up and coming back again together. Right. But in this case, she's not blowing up. She's channeling that. Right. And we're going to get more about, we're going to get to more about Cora and her role. Uh, But before we do that, the macaroni is done. The pot has finished boiling and it is time to discuss Nathaniel Malik. 
Here we go. Let it out. All right. All right. Letting the steam roll off here. So, ah, ladies, I'm going to need a drink for this one. I have a theory about this, which I know is not the norm, but I am carrying the theories today <laughs> since Amy's brain is a little fried. Uh-huh. And I know this sounds insane. I know. I'm fully aware. And I definitely want to hear what people have to say about this on social media. So by all means, at me, let me know what you think about this. And and in the spirit of fairness, if she is talking nonsense, please send her some poop. Uh, Excuse me. I am, if it is nonsense, it is about a villain, not the most beloved hero of the fucking show. So you shut your face. Tomato, tomato. Go on. Anyway. All right. This jackass shows up looking like he stole Brendan Fraser's clothes off the fucking set of Dudley Do-Right when he goes like bad boy halfway through that movie. Because God knows this outfit is three sizes too big for him. He kind of reminded me of a really, really bad, cheap cosplay of... Neo from The Matrix. Yes, that too. And even though I'm not a fan of The Matrix, I'm aware enough of it. I've seen it once that I had the same thought. And I think it's on purpose. The costumes in this season have been fantastic, spot on. They would not make this mistake. It is deliberate. And I think it's deliberate because they want to make him look like a child. They want to make him look ridiculous. And I'm fine with that. But why would they want to make him look ridiculous? He's supposed to be the big bad by making him look ridiculous. They're basically lowering the stakes. I don't think so. I think that's part of the point. I hope that's part of the point. Because if I'm wrong about this, if if this isn't somehow, if, if my theory doesn't pan out somehow, then it's just bad writing. And I don't want to believe this is bad writing because they've been so good to this point. Bad writing how? So he comes in with this ridiculous outfit and this whole spiel talking about the redistribution of of wealth and powers, introducing anarchy, making chaos. And this is where I'm like, all right, Nolan, where the fuck are you? Come out of the shadows because this is the fucking Joker. This is deliberate language. This is the Joker with anarchy and chaos. And this is Bane with the redistribution of, of powers and wealth and and who deserves gifts. And I don't know what they're trying to say with this. I don't know where they're going other than look at this guy. He's a walking cliche. He's such a narcissist that he doesn't even realize it. So here's my theory. What I'm wondering is, do these movies, since we're time traveling, The Matrix, The Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises, all of that. Do these movies exist in this Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. universe? And has this dude been time traveling and he's seen these movies and he is such a psychopath, he's so empty inside that in addition to stealing powers, he's also like stealing personality? He's stealing costumes and trying to make himself into this big bad villain. But just like because he's got nothing inside of himself. He's just appropriating characters he's seen in a very childlike fashion. 
One thing I will say is that I don't think the Dark Knight trilogy would exist in a Marvel universe. I've seen the Dark Knight trilogy. I liked it. But this didn't really pop into my head in terms of the Joker. I think that's partly because you only saw it once and it was a very long time ago. But those of us who have watched that movie more times and I think most people who have seen it a bunch would absolutely recognize that deliberate language. Possibly. It may be an unintentional thing that they picked up. I don't know. It's so heavy handed. That's the thing. Yeah, it is heavy handed. Yeah, but my only issue here is Joker is DC and would Marvel reference DC? That's the thing is that I don't understand what the writers are doing here. Like if we if we remember back to season five with that caricature, Glenn Talbot, who when he said at that tete-a-tete on the spaceship, when he told everybody to kneel before him, I almost threw my TV out the fucking window. That upset me enough of, you know, Marvel like stealing from themselves and from a much, much, much better character. If Malik had said anything along the lines of like, freedom is life's great lie, I was going to need a new TV. Honestly. (laughs) Well, stealing from yourself is a different thing. Uh, Stealing from a rival. I just, I just don't know what to make of this whole thing with Malik. I think we will find out. And I think the reason, okay, this is what I feel. I think the reason why they are being so heavy handed with him and using this kind of deliberate language is because he is, he's an immature child trying to play God. Right. And it's making me hate him more. So it's working. That's my point. Yeah, that's the good, that, that's, that means they're doing a good job. But I'm not hating him. But okay, put it this way. I need to hate him for the right reasons. I need my theory to be right to hate him properly because otherwise it's just bad writing. I guess we'll find out. Yeah. The next time we see him. Come on, writers. But one thing I am very, very grateful for with Nathaniel, his goatee was his own hair. Thank you for not putting on extra fake facial hair on him. Yeah, it it definitely was real and sparse. And I think that's another layer adding to the fact that he is very much portrayed as this man child. Yeah. I mean, he looks like he's wearing his brother's pants at his father's belt. But, you know, for for that one moment before we see him, we get the the quaking and the knife uh, and the gun disintegrating. For a moment, I was so excited to see Daisy. Yeah, I didn't think for a second that it was Daisy. Okay, no, for a moment, I just got excited to see Daisy and boy, were my hopes dashed. Yeah, Malik clearly has his powers under control. Yeah, he does. So he's he spent the last 10 odd years getting control over his powers. Yeah, so he and his hydragoons attack Afterlife. And this is when it becomes clear from everything Jaying saying that and she will refer to her as her daughter also, Cora's her kid. Yeah, I was not expecting that. Well, this also means Daisy's got a sister. An evil sister. An evil sister. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. This is just what we needed while everything's on hold with quarantine is another 
awesome evil sibling Marvel relationship. Yeah, and the last thing we need is for Daisy to possibly kill or hurt her sister. Come on, the girl's gone through enough. Well, one, we assume this is a half-sister, and two, she's evil, so whatever. Yeah, but, like, she had to see her mom die in front of her, who was evil, and she's got a half-sister who is evil. Come on, I mean, give the girl a break. I think... She literally had half her organs taken out of her. I think Daisy and Thor need to start a support group together. (laughs) They have a lot in common. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So Cora makes the choice to go with Malik. She's tired of living like a prisoner and having people live in fear of her. And a young Gordon gets Jaying, Mei, and Yo-Yo the hell out of there. Yeah, not before Jaying tries her best to appeal to Cora. Yeah, moms and teenage daughters tend to have some issues and a little more here, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, not quite a General Hale Ruby situation, not not in that way. But uh, yeah, there are some problems. Maybe uh, maybe a guest appearance on Doctor Phil would be in order. You know. Here I have a question: How was Gordon able to get all four of them onto the Quinjet? He has never been on the Quinjet before. That is an excellent question, and I think that's one of those things we just have to nod and say okay. Really? I don't think there's anything more to it than that. They had to get out of there in a hurry. The writers had to get them out in a hurry. And Gordon was convenient. Okay. I am nodding. <laughs> so at this point, they separate. Jaying and Gordon, go. they go who knows where or when at this point. So not before May, who gives Jaying her watch to basically meet up again at some point in time. So this brings up the question. Do we see Jaying again? I think we're going to see more of her. Yes. I don't think that story's finished. Yeah. So will Daisy probably meet her again? I think Is so. Is this going to be some kind of weird family reunion? I think so. Mac had his. I think she's going to have hers. Max was terrible. Yeah. Poor guy needed over a year to recover from that. Who knows? Maybe for Daisy, it'll be the opposite. And maybe she'll she'll get a little closure because she'll meet the good version of her mother. Mac had already had the good version of his parents, you know? Hmm. So maybe it'll be the opposite for her. Maybe. Now that we're back on the Quinjet, Yo-Yo and May here have a second to breathe and decompress. And we see just how much pressure Yo-Yo has been putting on herself for so long. Yeah. And she's, with May's help, she's finally able to just start letting some of that go. Yeah, she is, she's really beating herself up because she couldn't get her powers back and save the team. I mean, that's a lot of responsibility to hold on, to give yourself. Yeah, and I think the message here, especially the message for women, is that if we want to be able to take care of others, we have to first take care of ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. So once they rendezvous with the rest of the team, Yo-Yo figures out like, oh, I don't have to bounce back. I've been stopping myself from using my full power. Yeah. And that again goes to show how a change in perspective can change your life. Yes. Yeah. Once she released that fear, she freed herself. Yeah. So she's able to... 
I love how she just says, I used to be fast. So she's able to just be fast again and stick her hands in the time drive and pull out the what I will call thingamajig for lack of anything else to (laughs) presumably fix the machine. No, stop the machine. Stop the machine. So they can have time to fix it. Right. Yeah. I know how stuff works good. (laughs) All right. So we're going to back up here a second before we finish off because we do need to talk about what's been going on on the Zephyr while May and Yo-Yo were gallivanting around Afterlife. They were not gallivanting. They were having a spa day. Yeah. So while they were getting Manny Petties back on the Zephyr, shit was hitting the fan. Yeah, pretty much. They had, what, 20 minutes while these ladies had two days to fix the time drive. Right. And they had to rely on Yo-Yo because the backup plans that they had did not work. Yeah. And Enoch had some wonderful one-liners during this time. He did. And we would also like to agree with Enoch here. No, no, Daniel Souza, you do not look like a Neanderthal. You look like many things, sir. But uh, no, a Neanderthal (laughs) is not one of them. No, absolutely not. If I could get a closer look of you with less clothing on, I could tell you a number of things that you look like. Let's make that happen. (laughs) Okay, okay. Can we get some cold water for this one here, please? Anyway, yes, it is true. He does lack the characteristic brow ridges. Thank you very much, Enoch. What would they do without you? Mm -hmm. Did you feel like Gemma was way too calm? Like, I understand her, her faith in mathematics. Yes. Okay, nerd herd. I get it. But she just seemed way too calm about everything that was happening. Yes, she is calm, but I think she's tired. Like, she's been through shit. We don't know what yet. I mean, come on. It's been, what, eight episodes. Give us some fucking answers. She's just tired. She's She's gone through too much. That is true. But I got to tell you. I've been really focusing on self-care in these last few months and working on releasing fears and anxiety through all this craziness that's going on in the world. However, if I knew that the world could very well be ending in the next 20 goddamn minutes, you best believe I'd be shitting my pants. Yeah, but shitting your pants is not going to help you. No, but that wouldn't, that's the point, is it wouldn't stop it from happening. (laughs) Like, she's way too zen about this. Yeah, because, okay, look, I'm pretty calm in a crisis, so I kind of get her. Like, I've been through some difficult times and difficult crises over over my life, uh, where I've been, you know, responsible for people's lives in my hands, quite literally. And... I can see, and and I have been pretty much as calm as Gemma has till, you know, whatever the crisis is. Then after that, I break down. But that's a different story. Here, nobody has the time to break down. Yeah. But you didn't have a Diana in your neck. That is true. And something's going on with that because she deliberately reaches back and starts rubbing her neck when she's making that video for Fitz. Yes. This caught my attention at one point when she says that I don't know why we have lost touch with you when we left Izel's temple, number one. And when she's talking about getting back together with him, that is when she's touching her neck. Mm-hmm. So there is something that she has forgotten 
or has been suppressed. Yeah. Thanks to Diana. And I think either they don't have a kid yet or if they do, she doesn't remember because if they had a kid and she knew they had a kid, she'd have spoken to or about that child in the message. Absolutely. And were you also getting like vibes of Tony leaving that message in his helmet for Pepper? Oh, right. I didn't think of that. That's what I was thinking about. Hmm. Yeah. As if this episode wasn't fucking sad enough. (laughs) So, oh, yeah. Speaking of sad, we have super depressed Coulson. Yeah. Poor guy. He still is happy for Daisy. And did you also feel like this little conversation they had was very subtle, but he was sort of like giving Daisy his approval of Sousa? Yeah, he was giving his blessing. Yes. Yes. Okay. I thought maybe I'm reading into something here, but I don't think so. Yeah, no, no, definitely. It was a very parental conversation. Yes. Small one, mm-hmm. nonetheless, but yes. Yeah, but in a in a different way this time, in a more mature way, like he really recognizes her growth as a person. Yeah. And I love that about Coulson. He has always not only loved Daisy, but he's respected her. There are lots of parents who love their kids, but don't respect them and don't give them that in, in their relationships with them. But Coulson does. Absolutely, yes. He may not be her dad, but he is the best dad. He may not have been her father, but he's her daddy. <laughs> no, daddy can go in a different direction. I'm talking about I'm talking about Yandu, you jackass. Whose brain is in the gutter now? All right. Yeah. God, ruining a nice moment. <laughs> and what's also nice here with Sousa is that he does apologize to Gemma. He's coping better. He's taking more responsibility for his own attitude and perspective. Yeah, he is a gentleman. He is. Through and through. Yes. And he's clearly found a purpose on the team in staying with Daisy and helping her work through all this. Yeah. And he not only just that, he is a part of the team. Like he uh, he took initiative in trying to get parachutes. That was a great moment when he asked Gemma if she'd ever jumped out of a plane before. She's like, yeah, but only the first time with a parachute. And he's like, what? (laughs) No, only one time with a parachute. Yeah, yeah, well, the first time. Second time. First time she jumped out and and that dude saved her. Ward. That dude. Did you just refer to Grant Ward as that dude? Are you kidding me right now? Yeah. I forgot. I forgot his name. Oh, my God. I'm bad with names, God, okay? Get used to it. Something. Ginkgo biloba something, Missy. Huh? You never heard of that? No. That's, wow. That's, I, yeah, my, my 1990s is showing. Sorry. <laughs> um, I wasn't watching Supermarket Sweep on Netflix last night, I swear. Anyway, so Sousa is fitting in nicely. Yes, he is. And he was certainly fitting in those jeans very nicely. Oh, yes, he was. <sighs> I know, I know, but I brought it up. I'm sorry, people. Why would you be sorry? Because you've been going on and on. Hey, I'm just speaking my truth. <laughs> I think I'm still recovering from the boobs. <laughs> so... Sousa has a seat while Daisy hops back into the healing chamber because she still needs to do some recovery here. Yeah. 
and Colton is put into his corner, oh. for lack of a better word. Yes. Yes. Oh, and it was just so, so depressing when he's like, at least let me do it. And did you notice he was still carrying that glass of water? Yes. Yeah. Now I have to ask you, mm-hmm. were you also super nervous after after he shut himself down and Gemma left the room? I was super nervous that he was going to move or open his eyes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. I'm glad it wasn't just me being paranoid. I thought it was just me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I thought if he opens his eyes, that means my theory comes true. Wait. And then I was like, after that, I was thinking to myself, wait, fuck. Nolan wrote this. Is this like the top at the end of Inception where we don't know if he opened his eyes yet or not? Like, God damn it, he's in my head. <laughs> I'm in my head because this is my own theory and this is nonsense. What is happening to my yeah. brain right now? Like, and then, dun dun dun, it turns out, whoops, whatever Yo-Yo did, did not make the Zephyr stop jumping. I have a theory. All right. I hope nobody put their pens down. Go ahead. Yeah, well, we've not had any theories. Well, you had a theory. I've not had a theory this episode. I certainly did. My theories should also be written down. My theories count too. (laughs) (laughs) Though few and far between they may be. Mm. Is this your first theory? It might be. Did you pop your theory cherry? I think I did. I was just so incensed. (laughs) Yay. Okay, so here's my theory. Finally, at the end of the episode, Gemma sent the message to Fitz and we see that message is sent. Okay, I was paying close attention to that monitor while she was while she was recording and then later speaking to Dee. Okay, I have a theory that Fitz is the one who has made them jump. Oh, I'm on board. Yep, that would make sense. Mm hmm. But because the time drive is on the fritz, this jump kind of goes haywire, which will lead to the next episode, which we kind of know is like Groundhog Day. Yes. Oh, I can't wait. Who else wants to see Bill Murray? I do. I do. I do. Do you know what I also desperately want to see? What? Cal? Cal Johnson? Is that you? Come on. It kind of rhymes with Ryerson. Come on. No? Crickets. I don't know where you're going with this. Another moment just ruined. You can't say it's like Groundhog Day and then not know who Ned fucking Ryerson is. I have seen that movie years ago. I am bad with names. Iconic. Get off my back, woman. No, it's an iconic scene. God. Everything is an iconic scene for you. You hear that, people? Let her know how you feel about Ned Ryerson on Twitter, please. Yeah, yeah, go ahead, go ahead, keep atting me for everything. <laughs> when I saw the trailer for this episode, I thought of Legends of Legends of Tomorrow. They had this similar sort of Groundhog episode. They also are in a spaceship kind of thing, those who don't know. Fantastic show, watch it. I know it's DC and it's probably not kosher for me to recommend it, but it is a fantastic show. I'm fine with whatever the next episode has in store as long as I do not have to hear I got you, babe. I'm just going to be quiet because I don't know what is the reference. (laughs) You're fucking killing me. Fucking killing me. Anyway, 
We end this episode with uh, Nathaniel Malik doing some more brainwashing on Cora here. And honestly, I'm like, dude, could you pick one? Are you fucking Bane or Bernie Sanders here? What's going on? Like, what again, what is this writing? I hope they don't disappoint me. I have faith. I feel like they'll come through. I hope so. Yeah, I I think so. And I want to see what they do with Cora and where the fuck is Sybil? Yeah, and where the fuck is Fitz? Because you know what, writers? We're running out of time. Maybe Maybe he shows up next episode? Keeping in mind my theory that he was the one who, you know, made them jump? Could be. If he does, I think it'll be at the very end of the episode. Yeah, I think so too. Once they break the time loop. Yeah. And listeners, that's our question for you this week. Do you think we're going to see Fitz next week? And if so, how? I think more than ever, the next episode is the possibility for him. I wouldn't mind seeing him in some poop. Of course you wouldn't. Mm Mm-hmm. Let us know how would you like to see Fitz. Email us at themarvelousmadams at gmail.com or let us know on Twitter or Instagram at marvelmadams. Thanks to all you madams for joining us today. I'm Madam Chris. And I'm Madam Amy. Assemble with us next week for episode 9 of the final season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. As I have always been. And if you have a minute, please leave us a review on iTunes because we do read every one of those personally and your feedback helps us improve the show. And while you're at it, visit us at themarvelousmadams.com where infinity stones are a girl's best friend. And now she's got a half evil stepsister. She's got a half evil sister. I'm sorry. (laughs) Does that mean she's got like, in in movie language, TV language, does that mean she's got like one brown eye and one blue eye? Uh, Or maybe this is like, you know, like she's got half evil and half good and she'll come to the shield side. But Amy, they're both brunettes. We won't know which one's the good one. (laughs) 